He is so faithful, isn't he? He is such a good God. He's the God who journeyed with us through this week and his presence is in this place and it rides with us into this moment. And God, we are asking that as we continue just to walk through your word, that God, we'd remember that you are faithful because that's who you are. And that God, we would remember that no matter what we're walking through right now, no matter what we've been walking through, that we will never walk alone because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness, because of what you accomplish on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to. God, we take time to remember what your word says right now through the prophet Isaiah, when he reminded us and when he prophesied that for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, he said, and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Church, I am just asking God to bring you the same peace, to fill your hearts with the same peace that he brought me as I was preparing for this message. He loves you. He is faithful. And we will never, ever walk alone. God, we love you. We're excited to see what we have for us from your word today. You are the Prince of Peace. Fill us with your peace and fill us with your presence. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, what a powerful passage and what a powerful prophecy. But one of my favorite parts about this prophecy of the coming Messiah, the birth of Jesus that would come, is that part right in the middle of Isaiah 9-6 that says that the government will rest on his shoulders. Now, so many people who were studying this before Christ had came and, and even when the Messiah was here, when Jesus had been born, they were waiting for a Messiah who was gonna come and the government would rest on his shoulders. He was gonna come and he was gonna overthrow everything on earth and he was gonna be the king of kings and lord of lords and establish an earthly kingdom and he was gonna be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the, ever, the eternal father, the prince of peace would come and everything would be good. And that's what they were looking for in the Messiah, which is why it was such a challenge for them when the Messiah was born in a manger, when he hailed from Nazareth, that these things weren't very fitting of the person who was supposed to have the government rest on his shoulders. And so I think a lot of us, when we even think about the Messiah and we say, Prince of Peace, like if he's the Prince of Peace and he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, well then over the thousands of years that we've had since Jesus is coming, like where's the peace? There are wars all over the place. There's civil unrest. And I think if we're not careful, we miss the power in the prophecy that it wasn't necessarily at first, at least, about the Messiah coming to establish an earthly kingdom, though we know that Christ will return and he will, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and he will reign supreme and there will be an earthly reign, but that's also only seen one side of the prophecy. Let's look at what it says in Luke chapter two, verse 14, when the angels came and declared to the shepherds what had happened in Bethlehem when the Messiah had been born. Here's what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And it's a reminder that the peace that was promised is a promise to the individual who gives the Messiah the governance of their life. And that 
forces us to pause and ask ourselves a question this morning. Is the governance of your life resting on your shoulders? Are you at a place this morning where you're like, oh, I gotta get all my Christmas plans together and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm stressed out and I'm overwhelmed because how's it all gonna be when the family comes together and who's gonna sit by who and who's gonna talk to who and is all that stuff gonna be drudged up again? And are they gonna talk about the mistakes that my son has made? And are they gonna bring those things up? And, and wait a second, are, the, are they gonna come to our house or are they gonna go to their spouse's house? And who's gonna get the most time with the grandbaby? Is that gonna be us or is that gonna be them, right? And, and are, they gonna, are my kids gonna like their gifts? Are they gonna complain? Are they gonna be home? Are they gonna be up? Is everyone gonna be healthy? Like, oh no, what about health? I gotta pray about that. We got to make sure that we get all that stuff going on. We got to make sure I have hand sanitizer and all the stuff together. And all the stress just keeps coming and rolling because why? Because the governance of this Christmas holiday is on your shoulders. But he says, no, don't you understand? That's what the Prince of Peace came to do is the government is meant to rest on his shoulders. Take a deep breath this morning. And remember that there is peace available when he is the one who has governance over the holiday when he's the one who has governance over your life. And that's what he came to do. He wants to provide that peace to the individual. And that peace is readily available through Christ. But too often we try to carry the heaviness of our plans and, and our life and, and, and all the things that we're trying to pull together. We're guilty of that all the time. We're guilty of that in a physical sense as well. <laughs> my wife and I, I'm sure like a lot of you, we did a lot of our Christmas shopping this last week. And if you haven't started your Christmas shopping, you should, it's time, okay? Um, you need to get there, okay? If you're the procrastinators, okay, we're there, okay? Um, Amazon is good, but I'm not sure they're that good, okay? So you gotta, you gotta get going, okay? But we were out doing our Christmas shopping and we were at one place, I gotta be careful because my kids, they, they, they try to find every way in to find out what we got them, okay? But we were out doing our Christmas shopping and we went to one place and there was one Christmas present that we were gonna get for one of our boys and it was big, and so we were, we were there, we decided that we were gonna get it and um, my wife found it cheaper online because we're bargain shoppers like that, you know? And so, so we ordered it online and we were sitting there in the store waiting for the order to come through. And, and as we were waiting, it was like, gosh, once the order comes through, they're gonna have to bring it to the front. And so I said to my wife, I said, how about I just go to the place where they're stored and I'll just load it up and bring it to the front. And she goes, are you sure? Because it's pretty heavy. I was like, babe, are you saying that like the stalker at the store is more than what your husband can do? Like someone's got to bring you to the front. Why not me? She's like, I'm not just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's heavy. I'm like, these are heavy, you know? Like I got something to bring to this thing. And so I went and got like a shopping cart and went back there and, and laid it all up. And it's like, I'm being challenged now and got the shopping cart in position and started to try to get this large item and tried to dump it into the shopping cart. And it got to that moment when I knew I'd probably made a wrong decision, you know? You know that moment when you're lifting it and you're like, oh no. And, and like, she's not smirking on the outside, but somewhere I know she's smirking on the inside because it's all happening just like she thought that it would from the moment I was like, oh, I got this. And so we eventually the wobble turns in my favor and just kind of lands on top of the shopping cart. And I'm like, whew, and we're there. I at least got it steady. And then as I'm, it's just still not ready where I can push the cart. And then all of a sudden it just slips into position. The whole thing just slides right into the cart. It just goes, skaboom, which was wonderful. Except my face was between it and where it needed to land. It just whacked me right in the face. And then my wife said, she goes, oh no, did you break it? I was like, what about my face? Why do we try to lift things that are so heavy on our own? Isn't that true? Isn't that what we're doing with the Lord all the time? 
when we try to take the governance of our life on our shoulders and he says, you were never meant to. I intentionally made your life too heavy for you because it's not supposed to rest on your shoulders. There's no peace when we're in governance of our lives. Peace comes from when we submit to his governance. That's what it is about. In fact, let's remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said this, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Whew. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Isn't that the truth? So don't be troubled or afraid. I love what it says in Matthew chapter 11, 28, when Jesus reminds us, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, take my yoke upon you. I am gentle at heart. I am humble. Come to me and I will give you rest for your souls. Come to me, come and let me carry your burdens. You, your job, our job is to take, to take all of the stresses and all the governance of our life and to put it on Jesus. And Jesus says, and your job is to take my yoke upon you. And we say, whoa, 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 we gotta take a yoke too? And he says, yeah, there's a job. You do have a job, one job. You've got one yoke, you've got one burden of your shoulders and that is to take every decision that you make and to choose to trust me with it. That's the burden. The burden that we all carry is to submit to his governance in every decision that we make. It's to come to that moment when we're overwhelmed and we're stressed and we say, I'm going to choose to accept his plan. I'm gonna to choose to surrender to your control. And I'm gonna to choose to trust you and not me. He says, that's your only burden is to get up every day and to take all your cares and all your anxieties and all your worries and to give them to me. Let me carry what you can't. That's the yoke that I put upon you, is to put your trust in me. And you know what? I have plenty of trouble just doing that. It's hard enough just to do that, let alone try to take on all the things in this world that the world says I have to pick up and then I have to carry. And so it makes me pause and say, you know what? Am I really connected to the peace of a life connected with the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus promised us peace of mind and heart. And how did he do that? Well, he gave us the gift of eternal life. The promise of remembering that no matter what comes our way in this life, that it's only temporary in comparison to the fulfillment that he's bringing us in heaven. But he didn't just bring us, give us eternal life. He also, because of the fulfillment of him having paid for our sins, he gives you, when you place your faith in Jesus, he gives you the gift of his spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit living with you and guiding you and reminding you of his goodness and telling you and teaching you that there is peace and his name is Jesus. There is peace and it is in remembering on a regular basis what Christ has done for us and going back to the cross and remembering that he has paid it all and he has a perfect plan for our lives and he is the one who will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We've got one burden to carry and it's to simply pause, reflect on what the Holy Spirit is telling us we should do in each and every circumstance and then respond in accordance with what he's telling us to do. That's it. That's the only yoke that every believer is meant to carry is surrendering to God's control and accepting his plan. 
That's what we gotta do. We have to accept his plan. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus, as he was teaching his disciples to pray in the Lord's prayer, there was an expert in there I wanna draw our attention to. It says this, he reminded us that we should pray, may your kingdom come, God. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he reminded us that what we should pray is that God, in the same way that your plan is carried out in heaven, may your plan be carried out in my life. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth or may your will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. God, I want to learn to accept your plan, not my plans, because I'm gonna tell you, God has a good plan for your Christmas holiday. But I can also guarantee you something. His good plan is not your good plan. His good plan is not gonna be the way that you think things should be. It's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be challenging which is when we have to stop and really allow ourselves to be guided under the acceptance of his plan. And I remember as a, before I came here to be a student pastor at Woodland Church, what I actually did is I was a soccer coach and I loved doing coaching. I loved being out on the field with the players and I loved uh, getting to work with the people that I got to work with. But there was one part of the job that always was challenging for me as a, as a a teenager and as a young 20s person, one of the things that my boss insisted that we do is that whatever practice session that we were gonna put together, that we made sure that we took time to put out a session plan, which is where you had to write out all the drills and activities and the technique that we were gonna work on that day and how we were gonna you know, turn that to a game and what decision-making that we were focusing on. And we had to write out an entire plan and submit it. And we would do that in his office, in his apartment. And I remember I would sit there and I'd just be overwhelmed because I just, it was like, I was already in school. I was in college at the time. And it just felt like more schoolwork. I was like, it's just soccer. Can I get out there and just play? It's meant to be felt, not written, right? And so, but I would just be overwhelmed. And I would look over to my right and he would have, he had this framed quote called the serenity prayer in his office. And I'm sure you've heard of it, right? But it's interesting because until I started to study for this message, I realized that the part that was framed in his office is only the beginning of the serenity prayer. And I think it really, uh, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, an American theologian, really nailed what it is to accept God's plan instead of our plan. Just listen to what the serenity prayer says. It says this, God grant me the serenity or the peace to accept the things I cannot change. True. And the courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. That's what was on the placard. What I didn't know is that there was so much more behind that prayer. Just listen to what Reinhold said. He says, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he, Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever and the next, amen. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Taking time to remember that where peace comes from in our heart and in our life is we will need to accept his plan. Remembering as it said in there, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. You see, God says, listen, I want to bring peace into your life. There's a difficult part to understanding the peace that he wants to bring us means that he's gonna walk us through hardships to get there. 
which means that not only do we have to accept his plan, but we also have to surrender to his control. Just listen to what Job's friends told him in Job chapter 22, verse 21. It says this, submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Submit to God and you will have peace. You see, uh, this is a reminder to me that though I have my own plans, when I submit to God's control and I accept his plan, I'm able to moment by moment and day by day be able to take everything that's in front of me and say, God, I don't know why you're doing this. I'm not exactly sure how this is all gonna come together, but I'm trusting in your goodness and in your plan and not my plan. So help me to pause to reflect upon what my right response is as you're guiding me to do and help me to respond in accordance with what that is. God, help me to follow your Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I'm realizing is that God is at work in my life. And one of the works that he's doing in my life, I would say potentially the primary work that he's doing in my life is he's trying to free me and you from fear. Because the enemy uses fear in our life to get us all churned up to get us to, to give in to the storm, to be able to, to focus on the wind and the waves. Like when Peter stepped out of the boat and, and the storm was crashing to get our eyes focused on the wrong things is, is what the enemy's plan is for our life. But God uses the storms in our lives to be able to show us his faithfulness to his promises in our lives. Because when the storm raises up in our lives and God walks us through the storm and he delivers through on his promises, that's when we're able to remember that we don't have to be in control because there is a God who is over the storm that lives with us, who gives us victory through everything we could walk through. So no matter what is coming your way this Christmas, the author of the storm and the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the eternal father is walking with you through it. And his promises will live with you and they will bring peace to your heart when you lean on his plan and surrender to his control and let go of thinking that it needs to look the way that you've planned it. Because that's gonna overwhelm you. That's gonna be you residing on your own governance instead of his governance. You know, just a few weeks ago, I had the honor of officiating a funeral for a dear friend and a loved member of Woodlands Church. Her name was Jody Goodell. And when I went and met with sweet Jody, as she was on hospice care, I walked into her home and was able to go and spend some time with her and her family. And as I walked in with Jody, even though I know she was in a lot of pain, she immediately stood up to greet me. And she just had a brightness on her face from the moment I walked in. And of course I came to fulfill my pastoral duty and also just the duty of a friend and because I loved her. And I walked in and I did my very best to bring the best encouragement I could to Jody and what the doctors had told her would be her final days. And so I sat with her and I began to try to share some encouragement from scripture with her and just to be with her and just to listen to her. And, and eventually I got the opportunity to say, Jody, is there anything I can do for you? Jody, how do you want me to be praying? I am so sorry. And she looked at me with just the brightest face and the brightest eyes and the warmest smile. And she said to me, and I quote, she said, Mark, I'm ready. When you belong to Jesus, there is no reason to be afraid. When I left that space with Jody, when I got into my heart, I had to collect myself and just say to the Lord, God, I want that. I want to be freed from fear in the way that you have freed Jody from fear. And I know how she got there. She got there because she speaks with Jesus every day. 
and Jody has gone to be with the Lord, but cancer did not defeat her. Her victory was already found in Jesus Christ. In fact, this was not the first time that Jody had faced cancer. You see, 32 years before that, she had already had a battle with cancer. And when she walked through that storm, she had already walked through all the ways that the enemy tried to attack her with fear and the fear of death and the fear of those things. And yet she clung close to the Lord. And when the Lord walked her through that storm and he delivered on his promises to be with her and to bring her peace and to walk her through that, then the enemy no longer had the ability to use the fear of death in her life because the Prince of Peace now reigned in that space. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. And that's what he's doing in us. And a lot of times what we try to do is we try to take control of our lives because we're trying to build on our own the unsinkable life. If I can just build up enough financial security where it's impossible for that to be broken down, where I can know I've got all these plans together. If I can just get myself in the right job position, if I could just have my own business and be my own boss, I'd have an unsinkable life. I'd be able to control my own schedule. If I could just get my kids to do these things or have the right number of kids, or if I can meet the right person, be married to the right person, if my spouse would just change in these ways, if we could just, we'll have the unsinkable life. We'll have it all together. If I can just, and if my family would come to Christmas and we can get the right Christmas card and put it out there. And it's like, we're so busy trying to build this unsinkable life. So that what? We can look at it and say, hmm, look at the life that I've built. God himself could not sink this life. I don't want to be caught saying that, right? We know the principle of like, what are we doing? We know that that's not possible to build the unsinkable life. Not to mention that's not what it's all about. If you don't believe me, just look at some of our contemporary artists. Britney Spears and Post Malone and Eminem and so many others who have written messages to all of us of saying, we've had it all. We've had all the fame, we've had all the fortune, we've had all the life and all the pleasures and we are alone and empty. It does not fulfill, it does not satisfy. Trying to build the unsinkable life is an illusion. Trying to be in control of your life and believing that that's gonna bring peace to your life is when you've got it all together is the illusion. You don't need the perfect job. You don't need the job. You just need the Prince of Peace. I remember just backstage a little while ago, Josh Shook was reminding me of the fantastic parable in scripture where Jesus said to his disciples and to the crowds, he says, just look at the birds of the air. Do they have storehouses that they've stored up food? And look at the lilies of the field and look how beautifully dressed there are. If your father in heaven takes care of them, how much more does he love you and he's gonna care for you? He's got your Christmas plans under control. It's not gonna be your plans, but they are gonna be good plans. And if you wanna come to a place of peace and have a rest, we gotta put our trust in him and in him alone. So will we pause Will we reflect? Will we respond? Will we surrender to his control? Or will we, like Isaiah 57, 20 says, find ourselves in this boat? But those who still reject me are like restless seas, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I'm in control, that's what I am. I'm a restless sea. Nothing is going right. And whatever I do produce in my life, it's just mud and dirt. It's more murky than it was when it began, right? 
That's what I look like. I look like a restless sea. I've been battling this for my entire life of trying to live in that harmony of putting my trust in God. And then sometimes it's like, oh God, I trust you, but now you've blessed me with so much that I gotta take care of what you've given me. And God's like, what? No, I gave it to you. I'm the one who's gonna continue to provide for you. You just need to be faithful with the next decision, Mark. That's your only burden. Just trust me. But I can't, for some reason, I become that restless sea and I start to worry and I start to get overwhelmed and I start to think about what it should look like and what my bank account should look like and what my kids should look like and what every decision should look like and what my family gathering should look like and what's happening here and how do I fix that thing and how come my brother hasn't changed the ways that I think that he should because I know that he knows that he knows. Like, and, and I just become that restless sea. And so when I step into the moment and I try to fix it for myself and what do I end up with? Dirt and mud. It's not helping anyone. I haven't brought clarity to myself and certainly not to the people that I'm trying to help. It's just a lot more murky. I just become that restless sea. I don't wanna be a restless sea. I wanna be at peace. And I wanna live my life being able to be focused on the thing that I know I was created for. Being connected to God and being connected to others. I just wanna be connected to him. And I just wanna be connected to you. I wanna journey through life with you. I wanna journey with life with him through the storms, through the calms and the green valleys and in the valley of the shadow of death. Wherever he guides us, I just wanna be with him. I wanna be with you. I know that's where my peace is at, but when I take control, it's so hard. It's so hard to do what? It's so hard to trust him. Just listen to what it says in Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us. That's why he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that you're worried about will be provided to you. He says, don't you know I have a good plan? Don't you know that I can take the chaos in your life and all the things that you're trying to figure out and I can bring order to it? Don't you know that I'm a God of order? I'm not a God of chaos. I'm not a God of confusion. I'm a God who will bring all the pieces and I will show you how it all comes together for good. I'm a God of order. I'm longing to bring order into your life but you have to trust me with your daily decisions. Typically, we kind of boil that down into three categories, learning to trust him with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. But that's what God wants to do. He wants us to trust him. And so as a part of this service, we're actually gonna take offering as a part of the message. And so our ushers are gonna move into position right now. And it's a wonderful season to be able to trust God because we have a big vision in front of us. I know that for many of you, you know over the last several weeks, we've been praying over the believe and build vision that Pastor Kerry has put in front of our church. And it's a big vision. It is a high calling on our church to raise over the next two years, just look here, I'll show you, over the next two years to raise $30 million over and above our regular tithes and offerings. And now what we're trying to do is, as you know, we've been talking about it, we're trying to build our downtown campus. In fact, it is being built right now. That's about $12 million of that budget. And I know that you know it's time. It's time to build that downtown campus. It is time to make sure that the kingdom of God is being spread in that city and that it is time to reach the city because if we reach the city, we reach the world. We are the most diverse city in America and the opportunity, if we can get into the city and do the ministry that God's calling us to do, the capacity for that to have a global impact is right in our backyard. Not to mention just as people who live in the area, we know our city. And we know that it needs Jesus and the love of Jesus and the church being the hands and feet of Jesus as much now as ever before. And I'm excited about that. And then of course, as your student pastor for the last 17 years, 
It is a delight and an honor to have the opportunity to be able to restore and build out our student ministry building and really continue to prepare it for the next generation. It has been a wonderful delight to get to use that facility to spend time in there doing ministry with kids and seeing life change happen there. And if you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, you have seen the growth and the blessing that God has had on our student ministry, but it has outgrown its walls. And it's time, it's time to refurbish that. It's time to get that in shape and to continue to create a great space that allows that ministry to continue to grow and become what God's calling it to be. And of course, we're looking to take the extra 50 acres that we have here on the church and be able to use that to build some sports fields so that we can invite families here to be a part of connecting through all of the sports activities that I know so many of you are already a part of and to create competitive sports leagues here for adults and for kids that are in a Christ-centered place and working through that. And you know that's near and dear to my heart because that's sports ministry is what I did before I came here. And a wonderful thing to be able to provide that here at our church. What's so great about it is that we can make sure that what you're trying to do with your families through developing your kids' character through sports will not have to conflict with your ability to be a part of what God wants your family to do at church. They're gonna work hand in hand. And so I'm excited about it. I'm pumped behind it. And of course, the restoration to our Woodlands and Atascacita campus to increase the ministries and the missions there. If we're gonna continue to grow in the way that God's calling us to do, we've gotta make the way there. And that's what God has been asking us to do. And so I'm actually gonna ask you right now as a part of this service to get your phone out, if you would. If you would honor me in doing that and really honor Pastor Kerry, because I'm gonna tell you, God has laid this vision on his heart. And I think you, like me, know it's time. God has put it on my heart, it's time. It's time to step out, it's time to step out in faith and it's time to give. But what I'm about to ask you to do is not about giving, it's about setting a goal for yourself. It's about taking an opportunity to do what Peter did and to step out of the boat and say, God, I wanna do what only, I wanna have the faith that maybe God, you're longing to do something in my heart as you tried to bring order to that which has felt chaotic in my life and my finances, that God, maybe over the next two years, you wanna do something really unique. And so if you go to wc.org or you just open your app, you'll see a Believe and Build banner like that, or you can do the QR code and just click on it. And when you click on it, it's gonna take you to a screen. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom, it's gonna take you to my faith commitment. I'm hoping you're looking at that right now because this is, I wanna change that word commitment to just make your faith goal. That this number that you're gonna put there, first of all, it is not something that gets taken out of your bank account. It is not a number that the church is gonna come knocking on your door over the next few years and say, hey, you made a commitment, where is it, right? It's not that. This is between you and the Lord. And it is also, so yes, as a church, we can get excited about praying with you and for you over what faith commitment God has led you to take, but this is just about you and the Lord. And it is a faith goal. It is taking a step of saying, God, if you are calling our church to this, and if you are calling me as an individual to this, then the number you put there, I'm gonna challenge you, don't put the number that when you look at your finances, you can say, yeah, that's a number that we could probably do. That's not the number here. This is a faith commitment. This is the moment when you say, God, (laughs) this is overwhelming. But the number as you're praying, it's just whatever number he brings to your heart. It's not your number, it's his number. It's the number that might be beyond what you possibly think it could be. Or maybe it's less, I don't know. It's his number. And you put that number there, then you just put your name, your last name, your email, your phone, and the campus that you're from, and you just put it there and you say, God, in order for that to happen, you're gonna have to do some crazy stuff over the next two years. That sounds like walking on water to me. And here's what I know, in your heart, if God has you in the same place he's had me, I don't have to convince you. You know it's time. You know it's time. It's time. 
It's time to give and it's time to step out and it's time to allow God to bring, to bring order to that which has felt chaotic. Trust him. And if you can't make that commitment, <laughs> listen, what you're saying is saying, God, I can't. It's gonna take you having to come through to make that happen. But let's see what God does together. And then just click submit. And then when you click submit, then it takes you to a give now. And if you wanna start an initial installment on that thing the Lord has put on your heart, that's amazing. Or you can click give now and it can take you to this and you can give one time. You can click down on the, on the tab and it can take you to where you can just give your regular tithes and offerings. And of course, if you would like to just go to your typical place where you go to take your regular tithes and offerings, I want us to be able to do that. And I want us to be able to do it as a part of our service right now, being able to say, God, if I'm gonna have peace, then I know I have to trust you. And one of the areas that you call us to trust you is in trusting you with our treasure. So maybe that's for you that's starting tithing today, giving God your first 10%. Maybe it's giving a little, or maybe it's really stepping out in faith to the Believe and Build campaign. But whatever it is, I hope that you will take the courage and you will take the opportunity to see what God's gonna do and you'll give. Our usher is gonna come forward right now and start taking the offering. And while they do that, I wanna remind you of the second thing that God calls us to do. He calls us to step out in faith with our time. And what better way to be able to honor God with your time at Woodland Church, at least, than during Christmas Eve week, right? An awesome opportunity to really honor God with your time as you commit to coming back to a Christmas Eve service. Now, if you've been a part of Woodland Church for a while, you know that we have Christmas Eve services for everyone at every time. Starting on Friday, the 22nd, we have one service at 7 p.m. And I'm gonna encourage you, come to that service. It is a lot of fun. And I'll just give you an insider tip. A lot of times, if you come to the first service, you get to see some things that no other service gets to see, okay? Um, so come to the Friday service, Friday service at 7 p.m. on the 22nd. Also, we have a Saturday night service on the 23rd at 7 p.m. And of course, those two services are a lot of fun because for our Christmas Eve services, the festival of life that we've been putting on for the community is free before and after service for the 7 p.m. services for all of our Christmas Eve services. So it's a great opportunity to invite your neighbors, come enjoy the Christmas Eve service and come a little early for festival of lights or stick around afterwards and enjoy the incredible story of Christmas laid out in lights around our campus. And if you come on Christmas Eve, on Sunday of Christmas Eve, that's, I can't believe it, it's one week away, then we're gonna have a 9.30 service and 11.30 service like normal. Then we will also have a three- five, seven, and 9 p.m. service, okay? 3 p.m., 5 p.m., 7 p.m., and 9 p.m. Now, I'm gonna encourage you because you know the community is gonna come out in droves for the 5 p.m. and the 7 p.m. So I'm challenging you to pick a different service. Invite your friends and come to a different service, but if you're inviting a friend and they're coming to that service, come with them for sure and come sit in that service. But what my prayer for you would be is to pick a service to come to with your family and then to also to commit your time to come and serve at a different service. And if you still have your phone out, just go to wc.org serve or just click on the serve banner and pick one service to serve at. If for no other reason than because I love you and I'd love to spend time with you serving with you. There's something different that happens in our relationship between pastors and, and, uh, and our church when we get to serve and do the work of Jesus alongside of each other. So don't miss that and come and serve. But God challenges us. He challenges us to trust him Seek him first and seek his kingdom first, God, with our treasure, with our time, but also with our talent. And you might say, well, Mark, what am I supposed to do? Like my, my sports days are behind me, right? You might be like me, who like my last sports adventure was me tripping over first base and having to go to the emergency room, right? It's like, my days are behind me, right? How do I honor God with my talent? And I'd like to remind you that talent doesn't just have to be your sport. In fact, I would say that talent is really about your influence. And wherever God has given you influence in your workplace, 
and your community and whatever relationships you have. What an incredible opportunity to step out in faith by using your influence to invite someone to come to church and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna step out in faith with my time, with my talent and with my treasure and invite someone to come back to be a part of Christmas Eve. Because don't you know that's what God wants to do is he wants to bring order from that which is chaotic. You know, it reminds me, I'm not much of a music guy. I have such respect for Woodlands worship and everything that they, that they do and what they put together. And the songs that they're writing right now are incredible. But I'm not really a musically inclined person, but I did take elementary education as my major in college. And so I was at University of Houston and one of the required classes was music for elementary teachers. And I was nervous about that class from the beginning and I showed up on the first day. And first of all, it was me and all girls, <laughs> okay? Um, and I walked in and I got the syllabus and one of the required things for this class was I had to purchase a keyboard. I was like, come on. Like, I'm not, I don't play the piano. I'm never gonna play the piano. After this class, I have to buy a keyboard for this class. So I tucked the syllabus into my backpack, went home, forgot about it until of course, the next time I went to class, arrived for class, showed up at my metered parking spot, Never paid for parking, I'm just saying, just meters, quarters, okay? Um, uh, it's a side story there, okay? Just frugal, okay? Um, but, but showed up there, got out, got my stuff, got there, was like, oh yeah, I'm headed to my music class. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, the keyboard! Hopped back into my little Saturn, okay? That's how long ago this was, okay? Jumped back into my little Saturn, got onto 45, rode down to the first place I could imagine that would have a keyboard and I stopped at Toys R Us, okay? Walked into Toys R Us, went to their <laughs> musical section. Okay, it's like play school keyboards and like one keyboard for like, I don't know, like a tween or something like that, okay? It was 40 bucks. I was like, that's my keyboard, okay? Bought some double D batteries, got that thing, hopped back in my Saturn, drove back to my metered parking, got back in my spot, put some more quarters in, hopped out. I'm already late for class because I've forgotten my keyboard and I start to take off for class. Now in God's way of doing things, this happened to be the moment of when we had one of those not like the sprinkles we've had lately in the area, you know? It was one of those Houston type downpours. Not the green, not the yellow, the deep red. You know what I'm saying? Like on the radar, we're like, oh my gosh, it's the red, right? The red's coming. Uh, it was the red type rain, okay? I am sprinting from my metered parking spot across the campus of the music building, just running, okay? Because I'm a college student, what's an umbrella for, right? Just running, just taking off. I'm almost in the music place. I get to the steps. I start running up the steps and all of a sudden I just hear a clatter behind me. My keyboard is laid from top step to bottom step, just broken into pieces all the way down the thing. So I'm, it's still pouring down rain. And of course, all of the music majors are there, you know, and they've all got their tubas and like their thousand dollar leather cases and stuck in there with brass plates and it's, they're whatever. And they're looking at me like, what is this? Who is this guy, right? As I'm in the steps, just shoving it back into the cardboard box as fast as I can, you know, and just drench from in, sprint into the building, sling open the door to my class with my keyboard in tow, open the door of the classroom, no one has a keyboard but me. The teacher's face just lights up. She says, oh, you brought your keyboard. Get it out, let's play it. I was like, no, no, we don't. I'm, uh, it's uh, for next week, I think this is a temporary one. She's like, no, it's gonna be fine, get it out. I'm like, dumping it on the desk. Pieces are going everywhere. All the other girls in the room are just laughing at me. Shove my D batteries in there. Turn it on, green light comes on. I'm like, God, thank you. She goes for the C note and hits it and just goes, Burr. 
<laughs> I was like, oh. she's like, well, maybe it's just a half step off. I'm like, what are steps? I don't know what you're talking about, okay? So she moves to the next key and it's like, <laughs> she moves over five keys and then, bing, and she found it. And then all of a sudden she took these little fingers of hers and she just like, and just started playing something. Yeah, give me some more of that pad right there. Yeah, something like that. And what was the chaos that came out of that box? In the hands of someone who knew what they were doing, something beautiful started to come out of that keyboard. No matter how chaotic your life is, in the hands of Jesus, he can make something beautiful come out of it. That's why we're reminded by the apostles in Acts chapter 10, This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, if you'll let him. I just want to encourage you, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never surrendered to the Prince of Peace, I hope that today's your day. And there's no prayer for me to walk you through. It's as simple as you making a decision to give him governance of your heart by saying, God, I believe that what you did when you gave your life on the cross for me was enough. I don't have to get to heaven by any other way than by believing that you're enough. I accept your plan. I surrender control and I place my trust in you and in you alone. And maybe you did that a long time ago Maybe you've already received Christ as your Lord and Savior, but it doesn't mean that you don't need to walk through those same steps yourself and put your trust back in him and find your peace. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. God, we need your peace. The world needs your peace. And it is available to every individual heart that gives you complete and total reign, that puts you in the position that you deserve in our lives to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, forgive us, forgive me for the ways that I've tried to take control. God, forgive that restless heart of mine. And God, thank you for the peace that you brought me this week. May that be shared with my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. And may it be evident to all of our family and to everyone we come in contact with this Christmas season that we live first and foremost as citizens of heaven and that our peace comes from our connection with you, not from our plans and not from our purposes, but by simply learning to listen and put our trust in you. So God, we trust you and we love you. In your son's name we pray, amen. You know, I've asked Josh to come and to sing a song of peace. Just as a reminder that no matter what is going on in your life, that when the oceans rise and the thunders begin to roar 
And if your soul has been restless as of late because of circumstances in your life, because of a changing family situation, because of a changing health situation, because of a changing job situation, because of a changing child development situation in your life or a chronic situation that's been just in your life for seemingly too long, that when the oceans rise and the thunders roar and the enemy tries to do everything he can to try to bring chaos into your life, that you would take time to remember that you have the Prince of Peace that you have the one who's able to take you right over the storm, to walk you right through the storm, that you have the same Jesus who walked on water to the disciples in the midst of the storm, who called Peter out onto the water to rise above the storm, that slept in the boat in the middle of the storm because he knew everything was gonna be okay, that that God of peace is with you. So during this first song, I'm gonna encourage you, just sit back and relax. And let this be a reminder of God's gift of peace for you. He loves you. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.